You're listening to the Podcast Detroit Network. Visit www.podcastdetroit.com for more information. 1935, the Lions win the NFL championship. The Detroit Tigers take the World Series. The Red Wings bring home Lord Stanley's Cup. Joe Lewis begins his rise to world domination. This transforms the Motor City into Detroit, City of Champions. All right, Detroit City of Champions, the podcast. It is all about me today, Charles. <laughs> is it? Take over, Jamie. The camera, you're the, you're the, the camera's on me. Hang oh, on. is it? Hey, there we go. Hi, I'm Where Jamie Flanagan, and this guy next to me wrote a trilogy of books called Detroit City of Champions. It's all about the 1935 year in this fabulous city we like to call Detroit. And uh, it's just uh, the stories, Charles, that, that you were able to capture and pull together from all these original sources. Uh, it, it just the, the tales of the traveling storyteller. And it's just I, I love all the stuff that you pull together in these books. And we, we brought in a guest, uh, one of the people that uh, uh, has a bunch of knowledge about a lot of Detroit sports and uh, sharing, sharing his stories with us. Tom's and our buddy, Tom Yurick. Tom Yurick, yeah. thanks for being with buddy, us again. Man, yeah, well, it's welcome to be back. It's very exciting. Yeah, well, it's, yeah, Tom. You know, Tom was the guy that he was at the Golden Huddle for the uh, 50th anniversary party for the Lions. You know, the, the for the Lions to celebrate their fi- the 50th anniversary of their first championship. And so, you know, you know, Tom actually had a chance to talk with a lot of these guys, which is uh, it's just so cool because they, you know, they the stories that he, you know, were. We're trying to extract these stories from Tom's brain. That's what we're here. Like this <laughs> like is like a, this is like exactly this is like a science experiment. We're like we're sitting there trying to probe. You know, like we're asking Tom questions and poking him a little bit, and you well, know the th- stories keep popping out one after the other. Yeah, well, that was thirty five years ago, and I'm trying to do the best I can. You're doing a fine job, Tom. Huh? You're doing a fine job. We're glad to have you back for another <laughs> another show, man. It's not like pulling teeth at all. These stories come come very fast and easy with with, with Tom. Oh, yeah, for sure. Well, if you ask me a question, I'll try to do the best on the answer because most of them I've known. You know? yeah. <laughs> I've talked to them one way or That's the other. That's what I mean. You're actually in this room with the teams. And one of the cool, you know, one of the things you were saying, I just want to kind of emphasize that is that, you know, we, we talked about how, you know, the, you know, this, this is a story of this team that began in Portsmouth and came over to Detroit. You know, this is the first Detroit Lions team. And for Detroiters, you know, that, that for Detroiters, this was a, you know, this was a, you know, they're, they're all wrapped up in the Detroit Tigers. And so there's this new team that comes in. And so, you know, for us, the Lions are, a, you know, something that's been with us since all of us have been alive. Correct. But for these people, this is, a, this is I mean, they're, this is just some, you know, new team, whatever. Like some people might have cared, oh, I like football, I'll go check them out. But for a lot of people, they were just second-class back news stories. And, you know, and, and that's, what, that's why I think it's one of the, the you, know, you know, interesting components of this whole story is not only did they come from, from Portsmouth – like you know, they weren't just some random new expansion team. This was a team with already a deep history of competition against the most, uh, against the best teams in the league: the Packers, the Bears, uh, the Giants. I mean, all of them had history against these some of the best teams. And, you know, they were they were always just finishing just you know second place, second place, second yep. place every year. And so when they came to Detroit, they are they are, they already had like you know they already had an organization. They already had like a rivalry organization built. And they trans they brought those rivalries with them to Detroit, and I think that's one of the most it interesting is. components yeah, is, is that you know all of a sudden like the Packers and Bears you know these are teams that these are teams that the Detroit faithful surely would have known about of course because just seeing them in the sports section, um, but uh, and all of a sudden to see like 
you know, just the blood feud that their new team, <laughs> like out of nowhere, they have this blood feud yeah. with these existing, you know, NFL powers. It was, you know, something that had to be compelling to that to that team. Well, be, to when, the fans. When Portsmouth became a uh, NFL city, they had to have sponsorship, and Green Bay Packers sponsored them. Mm. And a lot of people don't know that that's the rivalry between the Packers and the Lions. Ah. And at one time, at one stage, the Packers uh, re- didn't want to play the Lions. And yeah, one, we talked and, about that. Yeah, on the show. And one of the Lions you, yeah. uh, said, "Well, or the Spartans at the time said, well, they're just a bunch of cheeseheads.' Oh, uh, that's yeah, that's, that's yeah. right. And if you go to Green Bay, they they put the actual sure, the head. Yeah. That, they and celebrate that's, it now. That's where it all started. Yeah. And that's that's Detroit's big rivalry it's, is, yep. is the Packers and the Lions sure. to this day. Thanksgiving sure. most and of the, the Bears, time. sure, and, and the Bears, Bears yeah. those two, yeah, yeah. the so, two great traditions. So, Tom, you have something of a storied radio career. We were talking about uh, the place I get to work, uh, the Fisher Building, uh, with uh, at 96.3, and then uh, our, our sister station, WJR. But you had a long radio career. Where were you at, and, and what were you doing again? Well, I started out in, at WCAR, uh, which was a little station. And uh, before that, uh, I got into radio, and I was doing uh, helping a, a lady on the talk of the town, Florence Laramie, do her radio show, mm-hmm. and I would do the sports capsule. And then I was at this little shop, and that's how she came in. And then <clears throat> I got into radio, and evidently Mr. Bailey was the manager there, and he suggested that me I would have my own program. I could do sports. And I said, no, I know antiques very, very well. I'll ah. be the first broadcaster in the country on collectibles and antiques. And Jack Bailey said, I think you would be the first, but let me do a little research because he had been in radio all mostly all of his life. Sure. And I came in the next week and he said, yes, you're the very first broadcaster on Collectibles and Antiques. <laughs> so you like turned down the sports segment and did the Collectibles well, Antiques? Well, you got to remember that every station had sports. Yeah. Oh, I see what you're And saying. I wanted yeah. to do something different because yeah, sure. I've been in Antiques and Collectibles all of my life. Yeah. Mm-hmm. and. Matter of fact, it worked out beautifully. I was in it for eight years, and I traveled from coast to coast. I did, yeah, that's uh, cool. Oh, that's yeah, okay, San Sinem and Hearst Castle. I was there for three days. I was in San Francisco for a week. I did a radio show in Alcatraz. Oh, really? Yeah, that's cool. Al Capone's so, uh, cell. Oh. And uh, yeah. uh, the Mardi Gras down in New Orleans. I saw the first invitation in, so, wait, in wait, New wait, Orleans. Wait, wait. Back it up, back it up, back it up. Yeah. Uh, Al Capone's cell? Yes. Alcatraz? Yes. yes. All right. So now what, tell me a little bit about uh, what year was that? And that, then what, exactly what did you do? What was uh, – well, it, it tell was, me a little bit about – Well, I just wanted to do that because, you know, in, in American collectible history, uh, prison uh, collectibles is quite valuable. Okay. I didn't the, know that. Oh, yes. Really? Oh, oh, yeah. They, the, every, <laughs> the bars every, of soap don't every, come really? cheap. Yeah, every, right. every penitentiary <laughs> in the country has a collectible uh, tied to it. And I wanted to go to the very first one in Alcatraz, and I, that was very fun. They took me, uh, I sat up there at the highest level of Alcatraz, you know, in, mm-hmm. the, in the yard. Okay. And that's at the highest point, and that's only for the long longevity of the prisoners. You have to be something like 15 years in before you could get to the top tier. All right. Huh. And, and so and you were in his the, the Capone cell. Yes. So was, what kind of recording equipment did you have with you? Were you, were, were you broadcasting or were you just recording? No, no. What I would do is I'd have a little tape recorder okay. about, about that big right, with right. a little case on my side. Right, right. And I would a little go Walkman and, size. Yes. And, and I would go and do the, uh, do the show with the uh, guard from, uh, you know, the tourist man from 
Alcatraz. Also, I was in Birdman's cell. Oh, yeah, yeah, did, the, the Birdman of Alcatraz. Yeah, 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 did a show there. Then I was invited down to San Sinian, Hearst Castle. Have you ever been there? No, that's one of my no, – like, that's yeah. like – I'd love to see that. Man. I was there for three days. Really? Wow. Really something. It's uh, – it's yeah. just a career that I really enjoyed. And I spent a lot of time writing about Hearst in the second book about because the influence of his newspapers. Sure. Because because yeah. Hearst is the owner of the Detroit Times, which is my favorite newspaper of all time. The Detroit Times. Well, is my I, favorite. when I was a boy, I'm giving my age away. I used to deliver the Times. Uh, did you really? Uh, all what was th- all three papers? The what Times was the slogan? Pre- what was the slogan? It was like all the news and none of the something like this. Something you, like that. It was all like, the news and none of the facts. No, <laughs> no, not at all. Not at all. It was well, something like it, it was something. It was something like that, like all the news and well, well, Randolph Hearst. Well, I'll, I'll tell you a cute story. He, he uh, the guy, told me that he wrote a story, and he sent it to Chicago, and there was a tremendous uh, murder or something, and he gave an address where this event happened. Yeah, and the writer of the Chicago Tribune or whatever his paper was of the of the Hearst publication in Chicago, he went out to investigate where this took place. It was a vacant lot. Oh, jeez. Uh, but he, Hearst always said that you can't sell a paper if you're saying nice things. Yeah. yeah. But if you make it glory and bad, it'll the paper will go off the rack. Well, to build on that, to build on that, my favorite like newspaper editor, which I don't like, I don't know if anybody out there has like, hey, that's my second favorite newspaper editor of all time. <laughs> but my, but my favorite, yeah, I don't really have a number two actually, yeah, yeah, just yeah, the yeah. number one. Is Arthur Brisbane, who was Hearst's editor, like the editor of all? He had an empire of newspapers. Right. And Arthur Brisbane, if anybody's listening and wants to, you know, take a look at Arthur yeah. Brisbane's career, it's amazing. And uh, he's just an absolute legend. Uh, but but I actually have his quote, like one of his main quotes, taped to my desk, uh, which it, it says, um, "If you don't capture the reader's attention in the very first sentence." There's no need to write anymore. <laughs> oh wow! And I've got that right on my desk. Yeah. So like everything I do is the same thing. It's like I try to like if I don't if that very first sentence you know, books or paragraphs or whatever, like I just that's how I always try to do it. Is like you know shot you know hit that hit you with that like bam you know this is that's Arthur Brisbane. Well, I'll give you a little Detroit history. Yeah, uh, you know Detroit has the salt mine under yes. Detroit. Yes. Okay. <clears throat> I did a radio show under in the salt mine in oh, Detroit. My. All right. In Detroit. Jeez. Okay. It's off of Jefferson Avenue. And the grain of salt, when you go down in the earth, Uh it goes and it runs. And I noticed that they had traffic signs down there and trucks and everything. Oh, yeah. And it said, do not do any mining here. And I couldn't figure that out. And the reason was it was under the city of Dearborn, the salt. Okay. And they didn't want to pay Henry Ford because he had the mineral rights. Oh. Now, a grain, <laughs> a, a grain of salt takes a million years to make. Yeah. And the salt mine, I asked the lady, I said, how far does this salt mine run? She said, if you continued on, if we kept drilling and taking it out, you'd be under Niagara Falls. Oh, wow. Jeez. I yeah. didn't know it was that yeah. big. I got to tour them. I, I toured them before they closed them down. Yep. Yeah, yeah, that was fun. That was interesting. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, um, but so you did get back to sports. You, you collectibles were your passion on the radio, uh, but you did do some sports, and, and you got really connected with uh, some pretty amazing stuff. And there was something that you were were pretty proud of. Uh, you got invited um, to the Golden Huddle, and we've been talking That's about been talking, yeah. that that event. Well, how that all happened, I think, was the previous show. Is that uh, at this little sports show, I saw in the paper that they were celebrating the nineteen thirty five. Uh, anniversary of the of the City of Champions, right? 
and we had the event at Westland Mall, and Aid Kushner came in, and he was the only one from 35 that came in, and he invited me to come to the Golden Huddle. And Abe Kushner is the, was the trainer for the Lions. In 1935. Yeah. And I met he, his son, too. I met his son, Abe, and, his, and he actually gave us – um, and he, you know his son gave me some great stuff for the book, yeah, Stephen Kushner. Yeah, like you know, he said, uh, yeah, if, he, if Stephen's listening right now, because he's a friend of us on like Facebook, and he's he's uh, but he was a great guy. He really hooked me up with some some really interesting stuff. Well, we stayed pretty close. He died. I met him in '85. He passed in '87, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. but uh, we had pretty pretty good conversations. Oh, did you good? And, and even he, after and, the event? Even yeah, after the event? Yeah, yeah, I called him, and consequently, uh, he also was the trainer of Dutch Clark. Oh, all right. He, yeah, and he told me a lot of stories about Clark. Yeah, well, he, one of the things he was telling you about Dutch, just to you know, pick your brain a little bit to tap that needle, is the <laughs> idea that it was was that Clark had a um, photogenic uh, memory. He had like a what is that? Is that what it's called? Is a photogenic? They- is that what, photographic. Photographic. Yeah, thanks. Thanks, Jamie. <laughs> mine's, mine's pornographic. <laughs> oh, no. oh, man, you're not supposed to say that on the air, Jamie. Now you're gonna get it's not a swear. It's, just, get, yeah. it's a little you know, off color. But it's it is. Yeah, you're right. You're, it's fine. You can say whatever you want. <laughs> well, the players confirmed that he did have that uh, photographic, 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 photographic memory. Yeah. Yeah, he uh, would, he would watch, what am I thinking? Yeah, he would watch the plays. And he Very would, handsome memory. He would watch the plays and look for players with weakness and he was, uh, Abe told me that he would always dress last. He would go out and watch. It was only 25 uh, roster yeah. and 35. Mm-hmm. And he would go out and, and street Yeah, but what they would do is they would it. put press, they would let Pressnell start, yeah. and then they would, and then, and then Dutch and, and uh, Potsy would like, want, yeah. you know, read the defense, read what they're going to do. Right. And then Dutch would go out there with this Napoleonic, you know, strategy, you know, stratagem to take, you know, pick apart that other team. Yes. And, uh, like the player said, always at halftime, Dutch Clark would come up with some kind of a different play. Yeah, he he was he was that great. Yeah, like in the NF the thirty five championship, they came out and just passed all over the. To start the game was in the dead of winter, and that's what like, I guess it's like a spoiler alert because we haven't got to the thirty five championship yeah. yet. But the cool thing was that they came out just to back up your point though is that um, one of the things we will talk about is how in the thirty five championship game. They came out in like a blizzard and were throwing the ball in the in the first half and killing the Giants with it. Yep. And then in the second half, they came out and started running all over the place. It was the run. That's all they did was run. So it's you know, like it's I, kind of I basically the same concept as they at halftime they made these adjustments and just romped people with it. I find it very ironic that the Lions' very first game they played in 1834 was against the New York Giants. And then in '35 they win the championship. From yeah, that is, yeah, that is a great point. That is yeah. a nice bookend. Yeah, yeah. that's a total bookend. But yeah. what's, the ch- what, what's the chances of that? If your very yeah, first yeah. game you ever played as a lion, yeah, right, right. And the, the next year you're in the championship game against the same team. Against that yeah. team. Did they win that first game? Yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah, they, they won, won their first ten. They, they, they shut out Se- the first seven sevens. shutouts. Yeah. Like, yeah. every one of them. Yeah. All right. So, but Tom, you 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 got involved, and then you you got invited to this golden huddle. Uh, and being the radio professional that you were, you took your tape recorder. Oh, yes. And you were able to capture some, some wonderful interviews with, uh, you said that uh, there were only 17 men alive at the time, and 10 of them actually made it to, to that event. And you actually got to sit down and talk to a couple of them. And then you took all that information, and you were really proud of this, as we were talking mm-hmm. before. Uh, and you were telling me about how, how this came together, because uh, there's a, you're a Dearborn citizen you're a Correct. Dear, you're a yes. dearborn guy i went to u of yep. m in dearborn oh yes so i'm a i'm a i'm a, a implanted mm-hmm. dearborn guy yep. uh all my all my fraternity brothers are all divine child <laughs> kids and you know divine child yep. yeah yeah but uh so 
but you 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 connected with uh, the historical museum there because you wanted to preserve these tapes and these interviews. And so, what did you do with because leading up to to this? And then what did you end up producing along with the Dearborn Historical Museum? Well, here's – I had – I did the uh, – in 85, I did it by cassette tape. Yeah. And I <clears throat> did the interview, and I had a presentation in 1985 of the 50th anniversary, and I put the cassette tape away. Mm-hmm. So, I yeah, said, you just played the cuts I, on I, the I, air. Yeah, and Yeah, that was it. And I put it – and I said, you know, for years went by, and I said, I wonder if there's something I could do to take those players – and save it and make some kind of a movie out of it or a DVD. Mm-hmm. So I pondered on that, and I contacted some different companies, and it was a lot of money to oh, do yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. And it was out of my ballpark. Right. So then I got thinking. Um, one of my earliest radio shows, I did some work at the Dearborn Historical Museum. Mm-hmm. And I went to them, and Mary McDonald was the creator there at that time. Right. And I said, Mary, I got something here uh, that we could put together of the 1935 Lions, and I'll put some pictures together. We'll put the words together. She said, well, geez, Tom, you know, that's Detroit. We're Dearborn, but let me work on it. Yeah. A couple weeks later, she said, yes, you pay taxes in the city of Dearborn. You've been here a long time. We'll do it, and we'll give you a program. It's called the Ar- Through the Arsenal Gates. You'll have a half an hour, and we'll photograph it in our studio. Mm-hmm. So I had to take that tape, which on one part of it's Charlie Garringer, and the other part of it is what the thir- uh, the thirty five lions. You yeah. interviewed Char- Charlie Garringer too. That's one. Yeah. That's one of the things we're going to get to in a right. future episode is yeah. the Garringer so, thing. And the, the combined uh, audio tape was a total of the two series was forty nine minutes. Okay, and they only gave me fifteen minutes for the show. Right, and I was really lucky to squeeze this in. Yeah, so I had to go down to the Detroit Public Library, and put the earphones on and listen uh, to my tape and right. go to the and try to find the pictures with the Times News and the Free Press to match it up to, mm-hmm. for the best. Okay. And I, I got that done and then also I did the, the Geringer at the same time. It took me approximately two years to put that together. Oh my goodness. So this was like two years in the making and you grabbed these. I, I extracted the parts uh, out of the out of the, the DVD uh, of the full through the arsenal gates where where you're talking with the curator and you, you talk about your history and you talk about and I, I've heard enough about your history Tom we're not gonna <laughs> we're not gonna listen to all that crap again yeah I, I don't blame you one bit where's my voice out <laughs> I, I'm loving you man I'm just, I'm just playing but uh, so I, I pulled out just the the track so we have three of the three of the lines and we're gonna focus on that first and we're gonna see where it goes from there but we got Jim Red Stacy you talk about Jim Red St- well we hear from Jim Red Stacy yes. we hear from Frank Frank Christensen, and then we hear from Ernie Cadell. Ernie Cadell is, is something That's Tom's here. favorite player. That's right. my favorite player. So we'll save Ernie. Mine's, remember, we'll, my, just re- Presnell's mine. Just we'll, <laughs> we'll, save, we'll save Ernie for last. So we got yeah. Jim Red Stacy, um, and we have Frank Christensen. Um, so do you remember, and here's, here, here's a picture of Tom on set there. At oh, the, there he is. That's a clip from the, from the piece. <laughs> by, by the way, you see, where it says I'm a commissioner. That yeah. was that was my loophole to get in. I was not oh, a commissioner. Okay, they just put that up there to get you on. Okay, yeah, great. Yeah. Boy, I look young and so Red Stacy. Red Stacy was just a little background between the two players. You got Red Stacy was an yeah, offensive so lineman. Tell, tell us a little bit about yeah, Red Stacy. Uh, Red Stacy was Stacey. an offensive lineman, and um, who was the second guy that we said? And then uh, Frank Christensen. Frank Christensen. Frank Christensen. They called him Little Chris. To distinguish him from um, George Christensen, who was we called we talked about briefly called his nickname was Tarzan yep. because of his 
size. And so he, so he was Big Chris, of mm. course. So Frank Christensen was called Little Chris, but he was by no means little. He was their blo- He was a blocking back for the Lions, Frank Christensen was. And he was also the team's best punter. He was in a game back in the 30s. You know, the game was about a lot of it was field position. And Frank Christensen was a, uh, was a defensive back slash blocking back slash team best punter. So those are the two guys that we're about to meet. And Ernie right. Cadell, if we get to that point, yep. Ernie Cadell was, a, was, the, was the wing back. Red Stacy only played for one year. Yeah, he right. was very short, yeah, very short time with the line. So, all right, so Jim Red Stacy. Uh, and, and, but the thing is uh, that what struck me when you, when you were telling me the story beforehand and just now is that you spent two years like gathering, uh, like as we watch this, the B-roll, the, the images that uh, people are going if, if to, if they join us on Facebook or if they watch this on YouTube later, uh, if you're listening to the audio podcast, this one would be worth a trip over to YouTube to find this episode 19 uh, to, to see these little clips that uh, you spent all this time putting together. Or they, can, or they can go out and get the books, buy the books, and they have tons of pictures in there, too, if you want to see what the players look like. Put, yeah. the, put the two together, you got to But I was, I was impressed with uh, what you, what you sure. threw together here, so this mutes us when I, I play it. These aren't that long. And our next uh, uh, red or lion player was Jim Red Stacy. Thank you. This is Jim Red Stacy from the University of Oklahoma. I was very fortunate to have played on the 1935 World Championship team. I played two years after that, and then I had to call it quits. After all, this football is a Celebrate the 19th, the, the 25th anniversary. I thought that was great. It was great. 25 years ago. I just put the 25 year anniversary uh, in the shade. That was Jim Red Stacy. Yeah. That's cool. That was uh, people would hear that better than we did. Oh, okay, good. Yeah, yeah. I was, yeah, we're just hearing yeah, yeah. the headphones. We got quiet there for a so, second. I was hoping yeah, no, no, no. That was uh, people who okay. people heard that better good. than than we did. They might have been, I don't know if it might have been it too loud. I thought it sounded pretty good. You could hear Rings his back voice memories. I haven't, I haven't viewed this in a long time. Well, this is so. voice yeah. of the past, man. You know, the yep. voice of the past is just a cool, yep. I mean, it's just a cool thing. So, this, was there anything that struck you about Jim when you were talking about him, with him? Well, it was 2 o'clock in the morning or 2.30 when I interviewed him, and they were Is all... Is that the end of the yeah, party? Were they drinking or anything? Yeah. Were they all having, oh, like, a yeah, guitar? They, were they good? Yeah, they good. Were, I'm glad yeah. they were having fun. I love you. They were having some you. fun. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to tell you a cute story. Yeah. Uh, Joe Schmidt, who was mm. uh, uh, was the Lions in 53 mm-hmm. champion. He was a linebacker for them, fifth, wasn't he? Fifth, yes. One, yeah. of the, one of the greats. One of the greats, absolutely. He was voted the top 100. Okay, good. But I thought this was real cute, so... Joe Schmidt was at the reunion, and Bob James was the alumni director. And about 2.30, or quarter to 3 in the morning, Joe Schmidt walks out. He's going home. And Bob James, and I had the the players in the center of the corridor outside the ballroom. And James says, hey, Joe Schmidt, what do you think of the 1935 world champion Lions? Joe Schmidt said, the 53 world champion Lions versus the 35 Lions. And believe it or not, these men all at one voice said, Joe Schmidt, you bring the ball and don't you be late. Damn, ah, those great. are the Ironmen. Yeah, 
That's an Iron Man. Yeah, they're There's, not turning around yeah, out there. They're not going to take these that guys. Were spit. at that time were eighty years old. <laughs> yeah. So was Schmidt was, and they were kids at heart. They yeah, wanted yeah. to go. They sure. meant it. They wanted to sure. go. Oh, out, no out, out to forget. the parking lot, boys. <laughs> yeah, let's, let's, let's sort this <laughs> out right like, now. Bring the ball. <laughs> but don't you be late. Yeah. we're ready to go. I bet, man. Those guys are <laughs> Iron Man. You're going to mess with yeah. the Iron Man? No, not me. So what else do we know about Frank Christensen? This is very interesting on Frank. Yeah, well, yeah, like I say, Frank Christian, he's, this is a guy that's, he's, I mean, this is an original, like, Iron Man. I mean, this is a guy that, um, I mean, he stretches back with the organization all the way back to Portsmouth. Jim St- Red Stacy was a was a new was a new guy, but mm-hmm. you know he was with the Lions, but the but would not but the uh, but Frank Christensen was a legacy player. He was with them in Portsmouth. Listen very carefully what Frank says. This uh, is this is fantastic. All right, here we go. Was Frank Christensen? Uh, he was the rookie on the team, and uh, this is quite a interesting what Mr. Christensen says. So let's listen to Frank. In, in the days we played, uh, uh, money was not a very important thing. We uh, we played because we wanted to play. We played for the fun of the game. Uh, it was important to, to get a paycheck, but by no means in the magnitude that they are today. I well remember uh, Jack Johnson, a teammate from Utah, with me. Uh, uh, we had negotiated our original contract, and I don't know for what reason I was a back, and I had a $135 a game, and Jack had 125 We went in to renegotiate our next year's contract with Owner G.A. Richards, we sat down at his desk in his left office in the Fisher Building, and he said, Christensen, do you think you're worth more to this team than Jack Johnson? I said, no, sir. He said, by God, neither do I. Jack gets a $10 raise and you stay the same. <laughs> I think, I think our, uh, our, our teams at that time were so molded together because we were less. We didn't have 50 players, you know. We, we were... I don't know, 22 or 23 is all. And uh, we were very close together. I think this bunch here at this meeting realizes so well the, the relationship that existed 50 years ago. I thank everybody for everything that's gone on here. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Hey. That's cool. Yeah, yeah. that's funny, man. I was cracking up. I don't think they could hear us cracking no, up. No, no, no. World champion, 1936, he gets a $10 raise. What did Mahomes get? He goes, by get? God, you what think did, you're worth more than Jack Johnson says? He goes, no, sir. He goes, by God, neither do I. And by golly, uh, Mahomes in I. Kansas City, <laughs> what did he just sign? $480 oh, yeah. million? It's a whole, the whole other world. These guys and, have never uh, even imagined that. He's a world champion. Yeah. Mahomes is a world champion. $480 million, and this kid gets a $10 raise. Yeah. You, can't, you can't park your car ten, downtown for 10 bucks. Yeah, 10 bucks. And he goes, the great thing is always he goes. Well, yeah, at least he was honest. He goes, "You think you're worth more?" Because Jack Johnson, <laughs> and he was not wrong either. Jack Johnson was an awesome offensive lineman. Jack Johnson was awesome. Never go in together. He's a great <laughs> offensive lineman. And so he's like, "Do you think you're worth more than Jack Johnson?" He's like, "No, sir." He goes, "Well, Jack, by God, neither do I." <laughs> Jack Jack Johnson married Ernie Cadell's sister. Oh, oh yeah, I know there was a, was there's a, a lot of in, he was a, that was his brother-in-law. Yeah. Oh. There, yeah, there was a lot. Yeah, there was a lot of uh, like you know connections between these guys, man. Can I make a punt? When uh, Doug Knott was at the oh, now we're talking my language. Yeah, I, yeah. I've wanted to talk about him for a long time. Okay, yeah. he was standing behind me, and he didn't want to be interviewed at at the lobby because he wasn't there. He wasn't well, there Doug, for the thirty five championship. Well, he was That's on. Why. He, he was on the team though. He was in a year, was but not the championship. Uh-huh. Okay. So he's behind me, and he comes up after the interview, and he said, "I heard Christensen talk about that ten dollars that Jack Johnson got." 
He said, you know what? He said, I asked Richards for $2. $2. Jesus. He, he said, I've made $128 a game. And he said, I thought I would like to get uh, two more dollars for 130 And I approached Richards, and Richards like said, if you, yeah, he said, if you keep that up, he said, I'm taking that $2 away, and you're going to go to 114 and, and, and Doug said, boy, did I get away? He said, that $2 was a lot of money in 1935. So the reason I was kind of excited, like, you know, Tom broached the subject on Doug Knott, and it was actually kind of sad, really, is because Doug Knott, in 1934, Doug Knott was with the University of Detroit. And Doug, he put up all kinds of crazy yards passing. Like yeah. He was like one of the, like, like you know, there's a couple of great passers in college that year. One of them was Dixie Howell, who ended up signing with the Detroit Tigers as a, as a hitter, as an outfielder um, in, for the 1935 season. And then um, you had Pug Vaughn, which actually signed with the Lions. He was from the University of Tennessee. He was a crazy, awesome passer. And like I said, the, the, ball, the, the size of the ball had changed in 1934. Oh. So now they're bringing, so passing was really becoming a thing. And um and so uh it's so like you know that's why Pat, you know, like all these elite college passers are are just coveted by these different teams and so Doug Knott coming from the University of Detroit uh, from 1934 I, I forgot how many yards he put up but it was a it was a crazy ton of yards I think it was like two thousand yards or something like that. a thousand maybe it was a thousand yards in 1934 um so anyways uh um so he so uh, Doug Knott comes into the so the Lions signed Doug Knott for 1935 he's one of the, the we, me and Jamie talked about this. They had the uh, varsity versus freshman game in which they in which the Potsy had like a tryout for yeah. the players, and Doug Knott was one of the guys that made the team. Ah, right. And so he he was and he was with the Lions for the first basically half of the season, and then Doug Knott got traded to for Bill Shepard to the Washington yeah or to the Boston Redskins. Right, mm. Redskins. Right. The Boston Redskins Bill, and that's where Bill Shepard came from was from the Boston Redskins, and Bill Shepard was an absolute monster. In Big, the 1935 yeah. for the rest of the season, because Bill Shepard was a, was a was a basically a halfback, right. and he was uh, um, just basically and he was a rookie as well, and he was like he's one of these guys in college that was like just racking up touchdowns, like it was like I don't know what his nickname was, it was something like touchdown a second Shepard or something yeah, like that. Yeah. Um, he was just a you know just a mauler as a halfback, and so um, and at one point, and I actually write a whole scene in the screenplay about this about this moment. Because there was, uh, there, you know, they, they actually the two teams had played each other. The Lions and Redskins played each other, and it was right after that game that Doug Knott went to the to the Boston Redskins, and Shepard came to the Lions, and Shepard wow. ended up becoming a mauler, an absolute mauling back for the Lions. And so, and so that's that may have been why when you're saying Doug Knott was kind of like off to the background. He was on the thirty-five team, but he just wasn't there for the championship, no. and so yeah, yeah. and he was a Detroiter, so he would absolutely be part of this. They were probably friends with him, yeah. and so he probably didn't want a bunch of lime like like oh, there's Doug yeah, not yeah. the world champion, yeah. Detroit Lion. When he technically that wasn't you right. know he didn't want to you know say oh no I wasn't a champion you know what I mean like yeah. you can imagine how that'd be kind of awkward for somebody that's well when I interviewed these players I literally didn't have a choice because Bob James was the alumni director yeah. and he went to all of them and asked them if they wanted. To participate sure. in this interview yeah. after the uh, reunion, and that's but you can imagine the like a little bit for Doug from his perspective, you know, like how it would be like a little bit uncomfortable because yeah. he was a thirty-five line, and this is an event for thirty-five, you know, for the thirty-five team, and he helped them get there. Right. He just wasn't on the team for the, the championship game itself. Yeah, I mean, sure, right. he would have loved to be, my God, but yep. um, so I mean, you know, like going here's Doug Knott, a thirty-five champion line, like maybe who knows, maybe he got a ring for playing a certain amount of games with them or something. I don't know, <sighs> but well, he got invited to. 
of the reunion. That's what I'm saying. So yeah, they yeah. must have thought enough yep. of him. That's interesting. I'm yep. glad that he and I and just a little side note. I actually met. I think it was either Doug Knott's uh, daughter or. Uh, somebody in his, somebody like related to him, um, and she had. I, I got she she let, she brought in his scrapbook, mm. and I have a ton of. I they, this. I was after I put out the books, but um, I've got an absolute. I've got like um, just an absolute um, like one of the greatest Doug Knott collections, like from the University of Detroit, from the Detroit Lions, like this show. This show. I'm going to yeah. create the uncomfortable radio host. Like, this is the only place ever for. This is like. This is like the Detroit, you know, history junkie show. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's the only place in the world where we're going, you know, Doug Knott. We're like analyzing Knott. players that people have, may have never heard of. <laughs> I love it. They've never heard of. That's I, what I'm saying. Like, this is the place. Well, those are names that shouldn't, shouldn't be faded into history. They, that's they what I'm saying. Should, they should come up. Exactly. That's what I'm trying to say. Like, we're having this show. It's almost like, a, you know, like a, you know, you have people like on ESPN, and they're, like, analyzing and microanalyzing different, like, moments from a game that happened this Sunday or whatever. We're talking about stuff that happened in 35, that happened in the history. And yeah. anybody that's listening to this show, whether it's at this exact moment, maybe you're listening to an archived episode, you're listening to something that maybe this is a, a year from now and you're, you're listening to this show. And, um, you know, it's October, what, 29th, 2020. Yes. If you got something to, t- to, t- to contribute to this story, to the 1934-35 season, maybe it's the Portsmouth Spartans, whatever it is, if you got something to contribute to the story, this is the place to, that we're archiving this, we're bringing the story back. Um, you know, sure. you, you want to talk about this? If you got something to say about this subject, which is, you know, it's something that happened eighty. It was eighty. Did we work out the math. Eighty five years, years ago. Eighty five. Tom's got it. Eighty five years ago. Thirty five. Eighty five. Yep. Yeah. So it's, it's, you got it. So that's what I'm saying. Like, but this is the place for that, man. Yeah. Like, this is the place. This is a major. This is a. This is a story. This is one year in Detroit history. Mm-hmm. Detroit sports history that is so big. That we have an entire show built around it, mm-hmm. and we have basically endless content. Oh, that's... right, endless. Con- we haven't even touched it. We like we haven't even. We're dug just it getting in. started. We're just getting started. Just getting started. And we got gas. We got special <laughs> gas. Like this is like if you got something to to bring in about the thirty five season. If you got something to talk about, like with this whole thing, um, you know, like you know, especially something maybe, maybe nobody ever heard of. Man, give us a call. Write yeah. us in. Comment. Do something. Get on the show. We're trying to, like I say, this is something more than just like a, you know, we're just, it's not just some kind of random talk show. We're trying to bring back a story that has been com- basically forgotten, man. And that it's like, you know, it's a handful of junkies like me and Tom. And now <laughs> Jamie, of course. Yeah. Jamie, Jamie started a I'm show on the, on the subject. <laughs> You know, there's a couple other junkies out there on this yeah. 35 story. We appreciate people listening and, yeah, and, and we're following trying to along cre- on this journey. And we're trying to find the other junkies that are out there, and we're trying to create <laughs> new junkies. <laughs> we're trying it. to create new junkies. Did I say that somewhere right? That's Is it. That? That's it. Yeah, okay, well, good. It, it actually <laughs> happened. 19, there was a year of 35, and uh, yeah. the, Detroit was the... Gosh, if it, city of champions, well, Tom. You know, if there was a television today, Sports Center, it'd probably have been all Detroit. Geringer, oh, yeah. you know, Geringer, yeah, exactly. Going back to Charlie Geringer, he he said that he had a friend at, at the Detroit Times. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they would call him up, and he would talk to Charlie. and said, "Geez, Boston's calling to see what Detroit just did." Uh, yeah, and he Charlie well, Geringer, Detroit- Geringer told me that the. The Chicago Tribune, one of the sports directors, wanted the, him to write up what has the Detroit won. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's but what's yeah. interesting too is what's interesting Two too stories. is that you have the the in order for the you know for the uh, for the Tigers to win the World Series, they had to beat the Chicago Cubs. For the Lions to get to the NFL championship, 
they had to go through the Chicago Bears, who they had not beat since 1931. Right. Yeah. You know, like they had to beat the Bears on Thanksgiving. The, the Bears' victory on Thanksgiving is what gave the Lions the, the chance yeah. to, to, to get to the NFL championship. Mm-hmm. And then the Red Wings fought one of the greatest rivalry dogfights in NHL history mm. during the 1935-36 season against the Blackhawks. So that's what I'm saying. Like the road to all three championships went through Chicago, and when we get to the Red Wings, yeah. wait till wait till we talk. Like we're gonna break down the Red Wings in so many things, so many components, because that the the dogfight against the, like the Blackhawks knew they're like they wanted. Can you imagine? Detroit's been winning everything all year. Joe Lewis is the is the you know has yeah. done his thing. We haven't even talked about. We haven't even started Joe Lewis yet. Yeah. And along the entire season, Detroit is basically one championship away. From a clean sweep, and they're already talking about city of champions, this city of champions, that, and the Blackhawks have a chance to knock the Red Wings off their pedestal. That game, that season came down to the last game of the regular season Oof. against the Blackhawks. Literally the last game of the season, and and the Blackhawks. Can you imagine like what they would have done to try to stop to, oh, to yeah. like be to play spoiler, yeah. you know, to, to crap all over the, that yeah. parade? They would have done so immediately. And that's what I'm saying. Like this, that's you talk about rivalry growth between two cities. This is it. This is it. When you get to the hockey segment, what you've got to remember is Detroit had two hockey teams. Mm. The Olympics. You're taking the words right out of my mouth, Tom. You're taking the words out of my mouth. Go ahead, though. And Geringer told me that the two teams played at Olympia. Absolutely. The Olympics and and the Red Wings, yeah. When they they won, they were in the uh, the Toronto or the uh, Sparta. uh, are you talking about a league? The Olympics were in. They were affiliated with the Toronto Maple Leafs. Not at all. They were the Red Wings affiliates. Oh, they were. They were the yeah, Red yeah, Wings yeah. affiliates. Oh, that's I'm, where the majority of their players. All these. That's what was so special about the Red Wings is that half of them played. Here's a little quick story. I know we're not on the Red Wings, but this is, man, we go where we go. No, right? yeah, yeah, we yeah. go where this story takes us. Come on. And here's the thing: is that is um before the nineteen. So the, at the end of the nineteen thirty three. Uh, sorry, 34-35 season, okay? Basically, like, the Red Wings had a horrible year. The Red Wings had a horrible right. year. But the Olympics were, won, their, won, the, won the IHL championship. Oh, that's right. And so here's the thing. So the Olympics, they were, they were, they were basically, like, basically viewed as better than the Red Wings. And so they played a preseason inner city championship oh, nice. between the Olympics and the Detroit Red Wings, right, right. and the Olympics won. Oh, I the Olympics not. beat them. Okay, no, I did. That's not. what. That's what I'm saying. You're ta- now we're starting to go off a yeah. of topic towards a, a future no. story. I thought but the Oli- I thought the Olympics were no, affiliated. No, with the, the Buffalo team, Buffalo of, team was for, was a Toronto no, see, at that I, time. I, yeah, Buffalo. Yeah. yeah. So, anyways, but but uh, anyways, and in fact, the Buffalo team with cons with Con uh, Smythe. Con Smythe was a Toronto like owner, GM, yeah. whatever. And so, and then uh, Buffalo was their IHL team. And uh, one of the my favorite player from the Red Wings. I mean, my favorite player is Abby Goodfellow. That's my favorite yeah. player. But my favorite, my real favorite that like nobody like we're talking about. You yeah. know, you, you know, everybody likes Abby, or Abby Goodfellow. Like, that's sure, guy, right? Abby yeah. Goodfellow. Who does it? Abby, right? I got you the know, that's like like in Dutch Clark. Everybody likes Dutch Clark from the Lions. But who's your like next favorite guy? That's not the main guy, right? <laughs> so, um, so I, uh, I, uh, um, uh, so so, anyways, uh. Uh, what was I going to say? Oh, so Buckle McDonald was my guy. Buckle McDonald was my guy from the Red Wings, and, and so I just Bucko, love these names. Yeah, Bucko. Like I say, wait till we, Bucko was one of my main characters in the entire screenplay. And the, what's it, what I, reason I mentioned him was because Bucko. He was before he um, before he came to the Red Wings. He was one of the greatest lacrosse players mm-hmm. in all of Canada. 
okay? And he wanted to. Tr- he was so great that he wanted to try a different sport. So he joined up with the with the uh, with the Toronto Maple Leafs, and he went to Buffalo and kind. He could barely he could barely even skate, uh. <laughs> and so and so the Buffalo like basically traded him or you know caught him or gave him away. There's not a precise way of how he came to the Olympics, but as soon as he came to the Olympics, somehow he like learned how to skate or something. And within one year of being on the Olympics. He was like the great one of the greatest players in the like in the minor leagues, and they brought him to the Wed Rings, and he was just amazing for them in their very first huh? year. So that's what I'm saying. Like that's what I'm trying to say is like the and Con Smythe was even saying like one of the biggest regrets he ever had uh-huh. let was letting go. go of Bucko from there to let him go to the Olympics and eventually don't the let go of Bucko. Yeah. But the Olympics <laughs> are a core component, and the Olympics ended up going off to Pittsburgh. And they became the foundation of what ended up becoming the Pittsburgh Penguins. For I want God's a bucko sake. jersey. That's how. That's the winning tradition they brought there was to become the Pittsburgh Penguins. Yes. Let's listen to Ernie Cadell. I, yeah. I, I, I was going to say because so Frank, we, we we heard from Frank Christensen, uh, and then you said Frank married Ernie's sister, uh, Jack Johnson. Jack Johnson married, that married was Ernie's Christensen sister. Talking about Jack Johnson. Oh, fair play. Jack, yes. Jack ended up marrying but, Ernie's sister. Because yes. they That's both great. went to the University of Utah, didn't they? Is that I, I believe saying? they did. I think so. Right. Yeah. But Ernie Cadell, inter- yeah. interesting, he married the mayor's daughter oh. of Portsmouth. Oh. oh, really? Interesting. And that's and that's why when they were playing the thirty-five championship game, that Clark and Cadell wanted. They were hoping that the broadcast from the uh, Titan Stadium across the country would get into Portsmouth. And Portsmouth only had one radio station. That was WPAY, and we don't know for sure. Nobody knows oh, if, that, if, that, if, that, if that broadcast ever got. Oh there. man, I would love to. If anybody's listening, once again, if you if you know of any information, whether it actually reached Portsmouth, because it was a coast to coast broadcast. That was what was so special about that Thanksgiving game was right. GA Richard, George Richards setting up that that coast to coast broadcasting network. That, that was the first yeah coast to coast game, and that yeah. was very interesting because you know in the old days you'd have to clear you know WXYZ or whatever calling yeah. to clear this station all and the way is, down, yeah, yeah. and that's not an insignificant. And it's not an insignificant you know no, thing to understand no, because no. today, every single year, like for Thanksgiving Day, you know, games on Thanksgiving for NFL, there's there's always like you know there's a couple regulars, the Cowboys, the the Packers, um, you know, in the Bears or you know in the whatever, but but it's the Lions guaranteed every single year. And why? And that's a question that a lot of times you don't ask a question like why that is, whatever, like this. Yeah. It's because they that was the that's where it all started. Yep. It all started with this coast to coast broadcasting network in Detroit. Well, you go to Canton, Ohio, and one of the very first things you see when you go in is the first broadcast from the Thanksgiving Day yeah. game, nineteen thirty four. And wow. the announcers for that too. The announcers for that, I forget the names off the top of my head. Uh, one of them was McNamee, Graham McNamee, and the other guy, I forgot the other one, but they were like. They were like the broadcasters in the country. They were like number one broadcasters in the mm. country, and yep. they were broadcasting that Thanksgiving game. Like this wasn't just something like, oh, they set up a, a, this cool little network. This was a major programming thing, and that's what I'm saying. Like that's why, even though the Lions lost the first Thanksgiving ga- game, um, they, and they won the second one for the 35 season, but that's why there's such an institution to this day. Is that those? Is that that you know that that you know coast to coast broadcasting network? Ran through Detroit, and it yeah. started in Detroit with the thirty four, thirty five Lions. Well, to clear all the networks, can you imagine? I uh, mean, every, St. Louis and all the way down the line oh, yeah. in the old yeah, days yeah. of radio to clear the network. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Make it, but I'm saying, like, it was a big deal then. It's a big deal now, and a lot of times people are going, "I wonder, you know, it's you know, it's just a tradition." I mean, the Lions aren't like they're not; they don't like get the Thanksgiving game because they're any like. 
you know, like it, they're better than every other team on Thanksgiving. It's just a thing. Like, there's a reason why for everything. Ooh. And the reason why it comes, once again, this is just another component right. of why this story is, you know, important. All right. So Ernie was at that golden huddle, and you were able to talk to uh, Ernie Cadell. Here it is. Let's listen to Ernie Cadell, who was very proud of those records that were set in 1935. Broke the record, and my wife answering the phone and all that, and I had the cold. The informed the guy that was calling and said, "Do you realize that they set that record with 12 games?" He said, "Oh my God, I you know I'm lost on this." He said, "I can't go in any deals at all on this because we're on 16." Remember? Well, that's good enough for me. And uh, when. Uh, I had Dutch Clark and Ace Gatoski, Father Olympkin, and I was in there, and I, I loved it. They made us mad to begin with because we had a bunch of zeros on the first seven games. So then we, when we started in on this game, Philadelphia, we ran in that particular game 847 yards. Made us mad a little bit, you know. The guy named the Detroit Lions when they scored on us. They scored on us the first time they had the ball. So, thank you very much for all the hospitality that you people have shown here in this area. And over the years, I enjoyed every minute of playing football in Detroit. There you go. Okay, so there's, a, there's actually a couple things to, di- to dissect from that. There yeah. Really well, first of all, he said Philadelphia was actually the Pittsburgh. It was Pittsburgh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yep. Uh, and Ernie, what he's referring to, let me let me hit it real quick. So what he's talking about is is that um, when he when he said it made us mad a little bit, what he's talking about is the Lions. We've already talked about this. Yeah. They they won their first ten games, mm-hmm. but they were unscored upon for their first seven. Well, game number eight is the is the Pittsburgh Pirates scored on them with a forty plus yard touchdown pass um, by the Pittsburgh Pirates, and that's what he's talking about when it made us mad. Mm. And, and so, it, what he's what basically what he's alluding to is the fact that the Lions ended up winning that game. I I was looking for the the exact score here, but it was like forty to seven. Oh, okay. So after they he said in the initial mm. initial drive of the game they threw this like lucky forty yard touchdown bomb. Mm. And scored a touchdown on the Lions. He's like, "Well, it made us mad a little bit, so they ended up romping them forty to seven. Yeah, you know? they just messed them. up our record. Yeah, exactly. They were bad, <laughs> so they rammed it down their throat. You know, the rest of the game. So that's one of the things I well, wanted to unpack. Yeah, yeah. They they played that game on November the fourteenth, nineteen thirty four. The score was forty for Detroit and seven for forty to seven. 47. Exactly. Yeah. I didn't have to retract anything. That's good. Yeah. Forty to seven. I nailed it. I, I have their record right here. They played thirteen games. They allowed fifty three points. That's insane. That's so. If you take that thirteen, multiply it by four, that's fifty two quarters of, of playing football. They let in one point a quarter. That's uh, insane. Yeah, and, and they allowed. Uh, and they scored 240 points. <laughs> yeah, and so, so for the year. And so, and that's why. Nice. By the way, if you go look up defensive records, if you look up NFL records, and then you type in, you know, a defense. Wikipedia has a pretty good list. 
just a you know just a basic Wikipedia search. Yeah. And there is an absolute list. There's like there's 1934 lines that are peppered all the way through the list. Yeah. Still to this day. Still to this day. And could, one. And go ahead, Tom. Go ahead. I was going to say, can you imagine those players with seven games shutouts? They played seven hours of professional football against their own peers, yeah. and not one score, not, score. not well, one score and, came back. And that's, that's one of the things that we're going to be talking about. We'll probably bring this up in the next yeah, show. Like, is is the idea that is the um, the Iron Man thing? Because we because actually we got some uh, voices, uh, some some of their um, some of these interviews where they're talking about the idea that they went both ways. Right. So that's going to be we're going to hear on probably the next episode. So those were in that TV show, because we're going to have to hit the pause button here yeah. and uh, pick it up again uh, Tom's coming back time. next week, right? So Good, uh, those Tom. were the three that made it to the cut of uh, Through the Arsenal Gates, the TV DVD right. that, that you shared with me. Yeah. Um, you also played uh, from the Tigers, Charlie Geringer, that, uh, an eight-minute uh, clip with him as well. So we'll get to that. But uh, we have more... Um, that didn't make that cut, and so we're going to dive a little deeper. We've got the full recording here. We're going to put it in, in, into yeah, into we'll those. So we're going to grab. We're going to extract a few more of those. And uh, this what is I'd good. Lo- this good to, point to to pause and uh, what I'd love uh, grab do, it again Jamie, next time. What yeah. I'd love to do is for like you know the next time we're going to be you know bringing some of these episodes out. Maybe we, what we can do is um because it's like twenty seven minutes long. We yeah. don't want we don't want to do the whole show with the recording. Yeah, yeah. So we're going to pick out a few of our favorites. But maybe, maybe we can just put up like an audio of like the entire thirty minutes sure. uh, thing for for you know the listener. That'll like, be just, for all our Patreon fans. Yeah, for something like that. Yeah, so yeah, we're gonna sell Tom stuff because that's our Patreon. Tom, we're, Tom, Tom don't know selling, what Patreon is. Crap, Tom. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, but I'm saying like just for posterity's sake, that, that cocaine-free the there, recording. buddy. <laughs> yeah, the, yeah, the Tom's got a can of coke. He didn't know it was gonna cost him the rights to his, well, his cassette tape. <laughs> well, the cassette tape's got some interesting things yeah. in it. Yeah, uh, you'll hear uh, Aid Kushner's voice. Uh. He'll talk. Uh, yeah. And, uh, oh, that's. I, I can't wait. To, that's going to be a whole show by itself. The stuff yeah. that Abe Kushner talks about is a whole show by itself. Yeah. But I wanted to talk about one last really quick thing with, that Ernie Cardell said on the tape Super was he was talking about the record that he that they set with the with the rushing yards yeah. in only twelve games. And I'm sitting here looking at my notes. I've got it written down here somewhere. But um, but he's but what it was was the Lions in 1936, which is the year after this NFL championship mm-hmm. game. They set the all time rushing record. That was never broken in a twelve-game season. Yeah. It took the addition of extra games in the nineteen. It was the I think it was the seventy-four Dolphins. That's what I was wow. looking for. Seventy-two or seventy-four Dolphins with the addition of a couple extra games that finally broke the record. But in a twelve-game season, it was never broken. That's well, what that's he was what talking Ernie, about. That's what yeah. Ernie Cadell was related that's to. What, that's right. what I said they called him from Miami. Exactly. They, they get a hold of him. Yeah. That's what I'm trying. To, like, I wanted to frame yeah, what he was saying. No, you, that, you guys didn't quite do it. Sorry. Yeah, exactly. So <laughs> it, it was never. That's what, and that's what Ernie yeah. Cadell was saying was that they were they no other team in that 12 game season era yeah. ever broke what the 1936 Lions did. Yeah. And that's what the kind of that's the kind of team they were was like right. 34, uh, you know, unbeaten streak for seven games, 35 championship, 36 all time NFL rushing record. I mean, Those that's the kind Iron of team Man. they were, man. So we're going to hear from more of the Ironmen next time. We yeah. just want to thank uh, everybody. It's, of course, Tom, for, for making your way in here. We really Love appreciate you. Love having you on, Tom. Dude, we're, Tom's going to probably, Tom will be on next week, maybe the week after, but we're going to have... Sharing these stories. Yeah, Love exactly. It. And uh, we appreciate guest, everybody who's been tuning in and, and following along as, as we've been doing this. If you haven't already, uh, subscribe wherever you know, you're picking up the podcast uh, on, or the video on the YouTube. Uh, and if you're just watching on Facebook, then head over to YouTube. Or, or yeah, one of, and yeah. It's an audio podcast podcast as well so wherever yeah. finer podcasts are sold just go yeah. grab it if this is your first episode we archive them all on like like, like jamie's saying on uh fate on uh, youtube and uh, yeah. itunes and all this so uh, if it's your first episode you're listening to and um, thanks for hanging out yeah, it's uh jump it's, back and check it out
The podcast is uh, Detroit City of Champions, and we'll see you next time.